If you're a California conservative, a libertarian, a moderate Democrat, believe in common sense, or just a sane person, this is the political podcast for you. It's the California Underground Podcast. What's going on? Good morning, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Coffee in California Politics every Wednesday morning at 9 a.m. where we sit, we chat, we talk about uh, California politics, and we do it over coffee, which is what I'm drinking this morning, drinking, I still think I'm drinking, I'm finishing that bag of, um, I forget what it's called, something from Black Rifle Coffee, but uh, good morning, thanks everybody for hopping on, uh, while everyone's taking a, a minute to hop on, a uh, couple of things, a couple of announcements, uh, yeah, I posted that stuff yesterday about the podcast just because I was trying to get some feedback on who listens to the podcast. Some people were like, I didn't even know you had a podcast. Well, we do. Uh, and we do it every uh, Thursday night at 8 p.m. Uh, it's different guests. It's different people. Um, it's on YouTube. If you want to tune in live, uh, if you prefer watching podcasts on YouTube, some people do. Um, I watch a lot of Tim Pool, for example, on uh on YouTube, and I don't know why particularly, but I do. And uh, it's also available on all the different platforms like Spotify, Google, Apple, um, everywhere else. And usually we we have good conversations, a little bit more long form. Usually I like to have guests on. Like last week we had Mark Muser on, um, who is running for U.S. Senate. Uh, been a big focus really on specifically candidates here in California. Um, he was an exception because he's a U.S. Senate or running for U.S. Senate, so that's a big deal. Um, but we're going to be focusing a lot on assembly and state senators and people running for county positions and local positions because that's really what's important. And um, I, I've said it plenty of times here before. Anybody who's trying to kind of say, oh, I'm running for this position, if they're saying, well, I'm running for Congress because the crime is really bad in L.A., I don't think they really understand what they're going to do if they go to Congress. I don't really think they've taken a civics lesson as to what happens when you go to Congress. You're, when you go to Congress, there's really nothing to do with any local law or anything locally going on on the ground when it comes to crime or anything like that here in California. So I always, you know, just a little tidbit. Uh, you know, this year we're going to talk a lot about candidates who are running who are not really running for maybe the right reasons. Some candidates who are perennial runners, we're going to talk about that. There's going to be some stuff coming out about certain candidates who are just kind of perennial runners, who are just, they're politicians, and they just run and run and run, and they run in unwinnable seats, and they just make a whole career out of it. So, um, But if your goal is to win, these, you know, the good politicians, I will say, would know when there is a losing battle. Um, and know when it's going to be like it's too hard mathematically to try and beat the odds. The bad politicians are the ones who look at a district and say, oh, it's a 70-30 split of 70% of these being registered Democrats. I'm going to run. I'm going to run and I'm going to be able to flip this this district because if that's, you know, that's not very feasible. I'm sorry. And, you know, people like Joe Collins or Kim Klasick, who both ran in very, very dark, dark blue districts, um, and I've done videos on both of them, really had no chance of winning. But they did raise a lot of money. I think, uh, let's see, Kim Klasick raised almost $8 million. Joe Collins raised like $10 million. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of money to raise. Um, I mean, if, if all of a sudden stuff, $10 million poured into you and what you were doing, that'd be a big deal, right? So... 
Um, but that's stuff that's going to be coming out throughout the year. Going to be doing more of those exposés that people seem to like. They seem to like those expose videos about candidates showing you how to walk through the FEC reports, how to look at the stuff, kind of double check, how to be a little bit of a sleuth when it comes to candidates. So, ah, let's see. All right. So big news this week was that the mask mandate is uh, coming down or, or coming uh, is no longer, but that's not what we're really going to talk about today. I'm going to talk more about that tomorrow on the podcast. Again, podcast is live 8 p.m., but you can also listen to it later on Spotify and all those different platforms. The big thing I want to talk about today, um, and then we'll get to your conversations and your your, your questions and stuff like that. Uh, the big thing that I wanted to talk about today was, and I guess this sort of goes along with the whole mask mandate going away, and you're starting to see places like New Jersey, um, Pennsylvania, they've just dropped all mass mandates, even in schools. Uh, you're starting to see like a change in the narrative a lot about what's going on. And now there's more of this talk about like natural immunity. And, you know, before you couldn't say the words natural immunity. And now all of a sudden it's become a lot of politicians who are on the left. They're now all of a sudden starting to push this idea of natural immunity. And I think it has to do with sort of a bigger issue, which is this sort of declining return on a certain amount of uh, political pressure. And for example, if anyone's heard the term the Overton window, let me let me talk um, just briefly about what the Overton window is. Yeah, the mass mandate going away is not for everybody, but I, I can tell you right now they're not going to probably check everybody's vaccination status. I mean, it was like that before, wasn't it? It was like they dropped the mask mandate. Like, if you're not vaccinated, you still have to wear a mask. But if you are vaccinated, you don't have to wear a mask. I didn't see anyone checking any sort of vaccination status. Um, so I, I, in certain areas, like here in San Diego, I didn't see anybody. Orange County, I didn't see anybody doing that. Um, so I don't foresee that. But the Overton window, if you haven't heard this term before, the Overton window is this sort of philosophical term where they... They want to, people who are in power kind of want to change societal norms or beliefs. So they kind of roll out like a little bit at a time, right? And the idea is that you can, you can crack the Overton window a little bit to let all these ideas in. If you crack it a little bit, most people won't really understand or they won't really notice what's going on. They'll just see these slow changes and accept them and just go along with them. Um, but I think in at this case, when it came to COVID, I think what happened was the Overton window didn't get cracked open. I think what happened was it got absolutely slammed open. And I think there's like no more wall where the window actually was. I think they just went full force through the window. And I think what they, they saw was a, a enormous backlash to the amount of pressure that they're starting. And, and you're starting to see it everywhere, basically all over the world. Uh, you're starting to see the the diminishing returns on how far you can push this. And it just seems to be like this coordinated effort all of a sudden that things are going to all of a sudden be dropped and everything's going to all of a sudden end. And you're starting to see it in blue states. You're starting to see it in New Jersey and Pennsylvania. You're starting to see uh, 
here in California, the mask mandate's going away. Um, and <laughs> crack pipe. All you can think about is the crack pipe. Uh, yeah, the, where everyone's getting free crack pipes. That's a comment in the chat. Um, what was I saying? Yeah, and, and I think you're starting to see a lot of the dominoes fall. Because it's not coincidental that all of a sudden the narrative is changing all of a sudden and stuff that people have been saying or were deplatformed for or that people were um, taken off or, or banned from social media for stuff for saying two years ago or now all of a sudden they're saying it. For example, I had pulled up this and this is from Ted Lieu. And if you don't know who Ted Lieu is, he's a congressman from California, one of the most far left uh, politicians. He said, with the rapid decline of Omicron, pandemic restrictions will be lifted sooner rather than later. And considering when to do so, health officials must factor in natural immunity, not just vaccination rates. This CDC chart recognizes natural immunity, and so should health officials. So now, before it was, you couldn't bring up natural immunity for fear of of being canceled, of being called spreading misinformation. I mean, Joe Rogan's going through this right now. Remember, he was one who he got COVID. He did all the stuff. He took ivermectin. And Sanjay Gupta on his show said, well, are you going to get vaccinated? He said, well, no, why would I get vaccinated? I I, I have natural immunity and, and I've gotten it. I've gotten past it. My body's created the antibodies and the T cells and all that. Why would I get vaccinated? And that's something that we they never took into consideration. It was always the vaccine, the vaccine, the vaccine. It was never about natural immunity. Now you're starting to see people on the left and Democrats start to all of a sudden talk about this idea of natural immunity. And you even had Dr. Leanne Wang on, on CNN, who was the biggest totalitarian of all of these all of these doctors that they marched out, she was one of the biggest totalitarians and she would always have some soundbite about, uh, you know, well, one of her most famous was she said, we have to make life as difficult as possible for those who are unvaccinated. And that was an actual quote. I mean, I'm paraphrasing, but that's actually what she said. She said, our goal is to make it as uncomfortable as possible um, to, live your life as an unvaccinated person. And oh yeah, she said something about the carrot and the stick. So she's really been big on like government mandates and that the government can do all these things to you um, and get all these people to just comply to the pressure. And then all of a sudden this week she goes, you know, I think it's a good thing that a lot of these states are getting rid of their mandates. I think this is a really good thing because it was always the goal to have individual decisions and individual liberty. Um, I, she didn't say liberty, oh, God forbid, she, her head probably would have exploded. But she said, oh, it's, it was always about individual decision and getting to that point and kind of phasing away the government sanctions. And you look at someone like that and go, now all of a sudden you believe that there is, it should be about individual decisions. Um uh, that to me is like unbelievable. And, and you're starting to see this is becoming the trend now. And I, we're going to dive into it more tomorrow night on the on the podcast. Um, but I want to talk about this idea of like the, the diminishing returns of how far you can push people. Same thing with what's going on in Canada and with the truckers is sooner or later, people just pushed back and it just took a little bit of pushback and, and the dominoes are starting to fall up in Canada. And they're not letting up. It doesn't look like they're going anywhere. It doesn't look like they're giving in. Um, 
Justin Trudeau, I guess, finally came out of hiding or wherever he was. And the people are really starting to step up and go. And I think that's the point. I think we've hit that inflection point where you pushed enough, you pushed enough and you pushed enough. It's kind of like bending like a rubber band. Sooner or later, you you pull the rubber band and either it's going to break or it's going to snap back. And right now we're in this kind of phase where people are snapping back. People are going, oh, Viva Fry. Viva Fry is one of my favorite. Um, If you're if no one. If you don't know who Viva Fry is, he's great. Um, he's an attorney, so he's an attorney in Canada. So he, but he's he's very he's great to watch. Um, yeah, I didn't know Canada had it in them as well. It's it's very surprising, but uh, it, it, it's very fun to see. Like I saw the video yesterday where people are now bringing fuel to the truckers because they said, "Oh, you can't bring, you can't buy fuel or something like that," and then all of a sudden you saw all these people who were going to bring fuel to the truckers. So I think we're at that point where the rubber band snapping back. And I mean, you can let me know in the comments whether or not it's been a long two years to get to this point, but I think we finally got there. And I think it was the people who really stuck to their guns. I think it's the people who really kind of pushed through it all these, all this time and people who were, deemed crazy or anti-maskers or anti-vaxxers or stuff like that. They were deemed fringe in the beginning. Um, Now, all of a sudden, those voices are becoming a lot more prominent and they have a lot big following. People are coming around to them. So I think there's a lot of people who are pushing back on it. And then some of a sudden just, yeah, it's about the midterms. That's also it. I think it's that's to neglect that it would be sort of ignorant or naive to say it has nothing to do with the midterms. I think it absolutely has to do with the midterms. I think the midterms are coming up. Joe Biden has awful, awful ratings. I think he has awful poll favorability. Um, For example, I was looking at civics and let me pull this up for a second. Uh, Let's see. Joe Biden favorability, favorable rating. As of right now, nationally, this is according to civics who does online polls. Uh, 56% unfavorable and 39% favorable, right? Now, you'd put in independence. You can filter it out by independence. That number increases to 68% unfavorable, 24% favorable. That's a big deal. That's a huge deal because the independents are really what swing these elections back and forth. And people are probably looking at this going, midterms are a referendum on the current administration, right? It was when... President Trump was in office. The midterms were a referendum on Trump. The This will be a referendum on Joe Biden. And Joe Biden's not very popular. He's not very popular outside of Democrats and diehard Democrats. He's not popular amongst independents who are the swing voters who are going to make the difference. He's definitely not uh, popular amongst Republicans just for, you know, giggles. Uh, let's see. According to Civics, it's a 97% unfavorable rating amongst Republicans of, and there's actually a 2%, so a 2% favorable rating amongst Republicans on this this poll. Democrats are still falling in line at 82% favorable. Um, this is something else that I found interesting. Uh, so in basically all age groups, he's unfavorable. And 18 to 34 which is the age group, that's the young group. Remember, that's those are the people who are the young, feisty Democrats who are supposed that's the young base that they love to get after. 
58% unfavorable amongst 18 to 34. That's a huge, huge, huge disapproval right there, right? Uh, 35 to 49 is 54. 50 to 64 is 58. And 65 and over is 55. That's interesting to me that the, the, the two age groups, 50 to 64 and 18 to 34, are the highest unfavorable ratings for Biden. Um, and as opposed to the other two age groups at 65 and over. Now, I think 65 and over, if they're anything like a lot of people's parents, they're products of the 60s and 70s. Um, my parents are certainly not, you know, still clinging on to the hippie 60s and 70s. But there are, are a lot of parents who still are kind of pretending like they're burnt out hippies. Maybe that's why it's a little lower and a little higher in that age group. But 18 to 34 is a big deal. So already he's unfavorable, very unfavorable with the independents. He's very unfavorable with young people. Um, that's definitely not good. Um, he's even unfavorable amongst non-college, college graduates, and postgraduates. It's a little closer as you get to postgraduate, because obviously when you go through that much schooling, college, and postgraduate, you are around a lot of the same liberal professors over and over again. So maybe your your view of the world is a little bit more skewed. Uh, men disapprove 63 to 50% or 63% of unfavorable for male, 50% for female. So he's actually doing all right with females, only 50%. Um, let's see. Uh, not liked, let's see, amongst Hispanics and Latinos, he actually comes out on top with a favorable rating of just 51% and 42% unfavorable, 77% um, unsure. So, and this was probably one of the most interesting things that I saw out of this. In California, Joe Biden has a favorability rating of 48% and an unfavorable rating of 46%. Now, wouldn't you think that something that in deep blue California, Joe Biden would be running away with favorability, that this would be one of his stalwarts and, and, and sort of his bases where he can get some sort of support, right? And the fact that it's almost 50-50 of favorable to unfavorable here in California shows you that there is there is an issue. 6% are unsure, which you could probably say like unsure means that they're open to maybe not voting for Joe Biden or supporting his party, which would then put it at, let's see, that would be the plurality of 52%. But either way, you would think that even in California, deep blue California, his favorability would be higher. Um, let's see. Keep going down. There's another poll I want to pull up. Because you can start to see the change. And I bet they're looking at polls like this as well. Um, because well, that's all they do. Right now, according to civics, the overall national favorability rating of the Democratic Party is 56%. It ticked up, so it never really went anything higher. I mean, it was it was always unfavorable, even all the way back to July of, wow, even all the way back to July of 2016. Um, and it ticked up a little bit as the infrastructure bill was signed, which is interesting that the infrastructure bill was signed and people actually had more of an unfavorable rating of the Democrats than they did favorable. 
Um, so total 56 to 36. Again, 18 to 34, 54% of people find them unfavorable. Uh, I'm sure the Republicans are no better. Like I could probably just pull up the the Republicans, but this is the reason I'm bringing up Democrats specifically is they're the party in power, and this is going to be the referendum. The referendum is going to be on Democrats, not specifically on Republicans. It'll be on Democrats. So let's see. Go down. Let's go independent. Um, oh, and that doesn't look good either. If you click on independent and filter it, it becomes 67 percent of. Independents find Democratic Party unfavorable. Only 20% are favorable. Not a very, very, very good thing for Democrats. Not for the, the party that's in power that's facing the midterms. Uh, and we can go poll by poll by poll. Um, I wonder if there's a Republican one, just out of curiosity. I bet there is. QAnon support. There's one for QAnon support. That's weird. Um yeah, Republicans aren't any better. 59% unfavorable, 30% favorable. But let's look at independents, just out of curiosity, if it gets... Okay, so, you know, independents don't really have a... It's sort of the same. It's a little bit less, actually. Um, and there's more people in favor of them. But anyway, the point of what I'm trying to say right now... And let me take a sip of coffee, because I'm talking a lot, and then we'll open it up for comments, questions, or what everybody wants to talk about, is that they're, they're starting to see that it didn't work and that people didn't rally around as much of these restrictions, as much of their policy as possible. Um, even the, the, the White House press corps, Jen Psaki, um, really danced around the subject when it came to the John Hopkins study about lockdowns where it said, well, lockdowns really didn't do anything. And they kind of asked him and they said that, you know, Jen Psaki said, well, you know, we, we will defer to the experts. Okay. Well, does that mean you do believe lockdowns are good or you don't believe lockdowns are good because you've deferred to a lot of experts who were pro lockdowns and now you're saying you want to defer to those experts. So do you believe lockdowns were good or you don't believe lockdowns were good? Um, she can't even answer that question straight. But they're starting to see the backlash and they're starting to see a lot of people push this stuff and they're starting to see a lot of people push back on this stuff. And yeah, the midterms definitely have a huge impact on this. That's that's not naive to say that the... And it's not cynical to say either is that they're probably at the point now where they, they're going, you know, this isn't working. People aren't really supporting it. People aren't really listening. People are starting to get really upset by this stuff. We're starting to lose at the polls. We're starting to see less and less belief that we have this under control. What's the best thing we can do? Oh, well, we can start to remove the mandates that they all get frustrated about. And hopefully that will save our polls and maybe save some seats at the, the midterms, even though it looks like it's probably going to be a bloodbath at the midterms. I don't think people are going to forget. I, how many of you are going to forget what happened and, and what the, the Democrats did and what the left did and how much they pushed for a lot of these lockdowns. I don't think a lot of people are going to forget. Maybe some people will forget. Maybe some people will be like, Hey, you know, we got through it and we did all right. And, you know, they did the best that they could. Maybe. So someone said, too little, too late, Libs. Your true colors were shown. Yeah, at this point, it's uh, 
Yeah, I, I, I don't think like you can. It, it's hard to put the, the demons back in the box. And Democrats have already opened Pandora's box and they're going to own it. Now, sure, you can make the argument Trump was the first one to really start the two weeks to slip flatten the curve, that sort of trend. But Democrats really ran with it. You know, it, it was really Democrats who really ran with it. It was Republican governors when it came down to the states who at the end of the day were like, well, we're past it. We're in a good space. We're going to lift all of our restrictions and we're not going to have restrictions on schools or stores or events or anything like that. Um, and the only people who really held on to this for a long time were the blue, deep, blue, deep blue kind of states like California, Portland, Oregon, which it's funny. Portland, Oregon are even like more crazy than we are. Um, but they're starting to see the writing on the wall. And if you don't think this hurts the Democratic Party, it all does. It all does. It, it You know, Joe Biden's disapproval, how he's handling this how Democrat governors are handling COVID and the restrictions. Um, I think there's a lot of people who have come over to this side who were probably never politically active. Maybe they were moderate Democrats. Maybe they were far left Democrats. But all of a sudden, these past two years have changed them. And I bet that's the writing on the wall that they're starting to see. Um, and the, the point is that they've pushed too far now that it's snapped back, right? It's They've pushed a little too far that it snapped back to the point where they're they're changing their policies mostly on political pressure and they're seeing the diminishing returns they blew open that overton window a little too much and people are reacting you have trucker convoys you have protests you have people who just aren't listening to the mandates especially here in like california i mean i went to a sprouts yesterday more than Probably about 40% of the people in Sprouts. Now, Sprouts, if you know anything about Sprouts, it's sort of a, like, granola. It's like a baby. If, like, Trader Joe's and, like, Whole Foods had a baby, like, that's kind of what Sprouts feels like. It's kind of like it wants to be Whole Foods, but still, like, kind of organic, granola, kind of feel-good, hippie stuff. Um, and nothing wrong with anybody who's a hippie, but that's really sort of the feeling. And, yeah, 40% of people were just not wearing masks, and nobody was calling them out on it, and nobody was saying anything. And this was before they even said... Hey, the mask mandate's being dropped in a couple days. I bet right now, if you walked into a store, no one's really going to do anything because they know in, I, I don't know, less than a week, it's going to be gone. So why even worry about it? Um, and a lot of people are really just kind of, they're kind of over it. So with that said, let's open it up for conversation. Let's open it up for the whole point of coffee and California politics, give you a little bit more time. Usually I kind of ramble on a little bit too much. Uh, whereby and then nobody can really get a word in so if you have any comments or questions or stuff topics you want to chat about let's go let's do it my sprouts hasn't enforced them since last summer i don't think a lot of people are really um uh, you know there's not I don't, i've been a lot of places in san diego there's only one place that i walked into without a mask on that was that that I got yelled at and then subsequently I went to that same place like a week or two later um always enjoy your rambles rambling on isn't all bad yeah as long as you guys enjoy the rambling I don't know I I, I ramble and somebody asked me do I sit here and script out what I'm going to say every morning and I said uh not really I just kind of come up with a topic or something I want to talk about 
and I, I just go for it and I just run with it. Uh, what do you think will happen with bills about requiring COVID vaccine for children? Um, they're still pushing the bill to put COVID vaccine, COVID vaccine on for the kids. Um, I think they're going to still push it as much as possible. Um, and, and, excuse me. And I, I think they feel like it, it, it's something they need to do. Because or, keep in mind, here in California, there are still a good amount of people who believe that the government should just govern me harder, daddy. Um, and that it's really up to the government to live their lives for them and tell them what to do. Now, there's, of course, a lot of people who don't believe that that's how it should go. Um, a lot of people who are involved in this community and this platform obviously don't believe that. But there are a lot of people who still believe that. So they're, they're, I think when they kind of like get rid of the mask mandate, it's and then they say, yeah, but it's only for vaccinated. So make sure you get vaccinated or boosted. It's sort of like trying to split the baby in the middle where they're like, they're trying to appease one group of people in California, one large group of people in California, and then say, well, you should get vaccinated as well. Also is kind of appeasing both. Do I think the bills will go forward? I mean, it really depends on how many parents push back and call in. There is bills like SB 871, which is taking away all of the exemptions, even the religious exemption. Um, and that is something to keep an eye on. Well, thankfully, we were able to, um, I don't know if we were, maybe they just didn't want to. The fact that single payer died before it even got to the floor is a good sign. It means it didn't even get a vote. Um, one less thing to worry about. If you hear that snoring in the background, that's our French bulldog. Um, they love to snore. So if that's what you hear, um, but yeah, I think they'll keep going with it because I think there's a lot of people who still believe that kids should be vaccinated in schools and you're going to get a lot of parents who are like, well, uh, I believe my parent, my, you know, if I'm sending my kids to school, I want to know that all the other kids are vaccinated as well. So if that passes, uh, there are definitely a lot of people on this platform who are engaged, who, can talk to you about taking your kids out of school and homeschooling them. Um, I don't know what the rule is about if you want to go to a private school or something like that. So we'll keep an eye on it. So also thanks to everybody who's been purchasing the mug today. You know, the California underground mug. See, it's the official California underground coffee mug. So you can enjoy your coffee and your California politics with it. Um, uh, a whole bunch of questions. Everyone's by early March, this will all be over. You know, it's funny. My, I, I forget who said, um, who said that to me. Somebody said, look, it'll probably be over by late February, early March. That seems to be the timetable. Now keep in mind, that's also sort of coincides with the end of cold and flu season as spring kind of turns, you know, it goes from winter to spring here at California. I don't, I don't understand that whole spring to winter or spring, it's 77 degrees outside. Um, but I guess it still gets around. So they're going to, I, I would not put it past them that in the next couple of weeks, by early March, they're going to slowly phase out talking about COVID because it's not a winning issue anymore. And all of a sudden the media lackeys like on CNN and stuff like that are all of a sudden just going to go, 
yeah, we're not talking about it. it's it's over. Joe Biden won. He he beat the virus because they they stuck to their guns. And they'll spin some story about how Joe Biden's a fantastic president. All of this is timing. Say the union address is coming. There's nothing. Po- yeah, exactly. I think they'll be in for a mass exodus happen from homeschool. I think they're already seeing a huge mass exodus. Um, I, I think they're already seeing that. And this is the year. This is the year for school choice. If you haven't signed the petition, there is a petition for school choice for a proposition which would add a constitutional amendment, which would allow for people to take their kids and go somewhere else and that they would fund the students, not the system. So... That could be a huge blow to California public schools if it passes. And you can believe that the California Teachers Union, Teachers Association, the CTA, is going to spend a lot of money to try and defeat it. But I think at the end of the day, people care about where their kids go to school. Do you think noodles will come back with mandates? What is your take on board supervisors voting on COVID enforcement, especially uh, sheriff? I don't know if noodles will come back with mandates. I mean, I... I, I don't think he'll lock down again. I think the lockdowns are in the past, especially after this John Hopkins study that showed that they really had no benefit. See, there you go. That's a big snore right there. Um, But I, I don't think the lockdowns are coming back. They're going to keep pushing as many, like see as far as they can get with like vaccine mandates and stuff like that. But I don't think, I don't think it's going to get any more serious than what they're already trying. I don't think it's going to become like Australia. If you're worrying about that sound, she sometimes get, gets a little stuffed up. So, San Diego County Board of Supervisors approved a measure to call on Newsom to cancel mass mandate for schools. Uh, yeah. So I saw that. No stores around me enforce the mask except Walmart and Costco. They only ask if you would like a mask, and the answer is always no, I'm good. Um, do, 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 do. What, are, what should voters pay close attention to in the coming midterms? Um, here's what, if you're tuning into this podcast, my answer is always the same, especially in midterms. I would say, first off, learn who your state assembly person is, learn who your state senator is, learn who your county supervisors are. Congress is all fine and good. We know who you're going to vote for, for Congress. Start learning about who's running for state assembly, because right now we're in the middle of primaries. So there's people who are primarying, trying to get to that position, trying to get to the top of the list so that they can run for assembly or Senate. Those are the things that are going to make a difference here in California. And I will say this until I'm blue in the face, until I'm done with this platform, whenever that will be. You have to focus on state politics if you want to change California. Like I said at the beginning, like I said at the beginning, people who say, oh, I'm going to go to Congress because I want to clean up South Central L.A., why? Why are you going to Congress? Go to County Board of Supervisors. Go be on your city council. Those are people who have direct impact on your on your daily lives. That Those are the people who make the difference. So I would say when it comes to the midterms, there's going to be a lot of propositions, which we're going to go over, and we'll do this coffee in California politics, and we'll go over propositions. Um but really, it comes down to the legislature here in California and your local officials, county and city. So, um, yeah, I, I would say those those are the things you really should be focused on here in California. I mean, Congress, you're going to vote for whoever. I we understand if you're a Republican, you're gonna you're gonna look at the Republican candidate and you're gonna vote for the Republican candidate for Congress. Cool, that's it. Uh, and you know, 
there's one person running and they're a Republican for U.S. Senate, you're going to vote for them. But learn who's running for your state assembly and your state legislature. That's really important. Um, and, and I would say start getting in the habit of paying attention to what our state legislature is doing. You know, don't focus. You know, we all want to focus on national politics. It's, it's cool. You know, it's the sexy topic. Um, but really, when it comes to if you want to change California, it has to come down to your state politics. So let's see. State of the Union will end this. Biden needs something positive to talk about. Yeah, he might. When is he even having a State of the Union? State of the Union is usually in January, and it's getting pretty late for him to have a State of the Union. They're going to have to figure out how to pump them full of enough Adderall to, and caffeine to stay up and make it through. A year ago, we said the same thing, that it'll all blow over. Yeah, I, I'll admit, I thought it was over back then. I thought we were sort of headed towards sort of being over this. And then especially when we had this triumphant June 15th and we reopen and everything's back to normal and we're, we're moving on and California defeated the, the virus and we're moving on. Um, but I think that's, that's where maybe again, it comes in this, this topic of how far could they push? And I think they pushed too far. Like they could have stopped if they had stopped last year and said, okay, June 15th, we're over it. We're done. There's no more restrictions. There's no more mandates. We're not going to require anybody to do anything. People may have forgiven them by now and people would have moved on and said, Hey, we just did it because of the virus and we had to get past it and they're reasonable measures, but now we're past it and everyone's doing fine. I think they, they, they went back to the well one too many times. And I think that's the, the point where the rubber band snapped, where they, they said, hey, let's do it again. Let's see if we can get people to do what we want them to do again. I, I think it was an utter failure this time. The mass mandate in California was probably not obeyed at all by a lot of people. Um, I know I stopped. I was like, I'm not going to go back to wearing a mask in stores and stuff like that. So screw it. You know, I'm just going for it. Um, but I think they pushed too far. And that's why I think they, they really overplayed their hand. And I think they really just screwed themselves because now you're ending all these mandates in February in the middle, right before midterms. And people are going to remember this. People are going to remember like, Hey, you, you did the whole, we reopened, we're, we're good to go. Um, let's, you know, we did the June 15th. We're open. Everybody enjoy their lives. Let's go back to normal. Let's go to back to football games and baseball games and Disneyland and all that stuff. And then all of a sudden they brought back more mandates. I think a lot of people um, are going to look at this and say, I feel like we've seen this movie before where, where people are like, I, I feel like we've seen this before. So I think they went back to the well one too many times. Uh, 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 let's see. Is Kim Klasik still grifting? Um, second week of March is when, that's when his state of the union. Let's see. Conservatives and moderates shouldn't run away to a different state for a better life state and make California and better go fight for California future. Yeah. I mean, I agree with that. If you can stay and fight it out, we got to. You know, and we got to figure out how to widen the party or, or widen our coalition to make things change. So, 
Any idea in the controversy with the Kylie voting? I don't really. What did you vote on recently? Mm-mm-mm-mm. How can we get Garcia to hold his breath permanently? Mm. <laughs> Let's see. I'm trying to catch up on all these. Um, there's a chicken pox vaccine. Yeah, there is a chicken pox vaccine. Uh, vitamin D is less in the winter as the sun is less intense and the days are shorter. Yeah, I could see that. Um, try need to convince my ex-husband that we should homeschool my son. Then I'd give it a try. Yeah. It's been pushed back to March. Okay. I think somebody... I think I'm caught up on the comments. You, you guys are... You're all... This is good. You guys are all excited today. Do you think Noodles and Garcetti are going to triple mass? I don't think they're going to go, to be completely honest, because I don't think they want to sit there for three hours and keep a mask on for fear that a camera is going to catch them. So I think they're probably going to stay home, which would be weird for the governor of California to not show up to the Super Bowl when it's the first time it's been held in California for how many decades Will COVID become the new flu season? That's what the experts are saying. They're saying it's just becoming endemic now, you know, and it's just going to be with us. Let's see. Can we clarify the Tamika controversy on childcare deduction? Someone is digging and posting things that they found shady with Kylie and Tamika. Okay. So people have sent me this and, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I support Tamika Hamilton. I think what she's doing is great stuff. Uh, let me clear this up about Tamika Hamilton because people have been sending me this stuff. And first off, I do want to say kudos to everybody who's sort of taken. Uh, oh, yeah, the Super Bowl is at Levi Stadium. Duh. Anyway, um, so you're right. It was at Levi Stadium. It wasn't that long ago, maybe. Um, but anyway, first off, kudos to people who are following my lead or someone like Corinne Tatum's lead. Um, or even Camille Bethany, who's in the in the chats right now, kind of this whole digging into candidates. Um, first off, great. Vet your candidates. Look into them. Look at what they're spending money on. This is the best way to figure out whether they're real or not, or whether they're grifting. Someone had sent me this stuff about Tamika spending money on childcare. Childcare is an approved deduction or an approved expense for campaigns. Now, Tamika has five kids, I think. She just had a baby, so she has a lot of kids. Um, her husband, I know from, from speaking with her, who was a police officer, said uh, he will work overtime so that Tamika can focus exclusively on running for uh, Congress and winning this seat. So he is working not only as a police officer, but he's working overtime to make sure they can pay their bills. And sometimes she has to go to events because her her husband, who is a police officer, is out doing his job and they need to have child care. Now, they hire someone to take care of the kids while she's at events or stuff like that. That is a that's a a legitimate expense for a lot of campaigns, especially for women and and for women who are running. It should be an expense because not everybody is personally wealthy enough to run and to pay a nanny on their own. So it's not out of the realm. And this is why I think the FEC FEC and the, the, they came up with this was so that 
women could run. Women could run and pay for childcare if they needed to. Um, so a lot of people are trying to think this is like a got you that she's paying for childcare. I don't, it's not a got you. And I'll say that, um, because it's not really a got you when you're just trying to have someone take care of your kids. Um, she has to go to events. Um, yeah, like someone just said, female can't should not be punished for needing childcare. Spot on. That's, that's exactly it. Uh, if you want more female candidates running, they should be able to pay for child and male candidates too. I mean, men have kids too, so they should be able to pay for if you're a single dad or something like that, you should be able to pay for childcare. So it's a legitimate expense, right? It's a legitimate expense if you're going to these events and sometimes these checks are issued. So you have a treasurer and they issue checks to pay for stuff and then they have to log like, okay, on this day, we paid so-and-so for childcare. Um, they don't always line up. Sometimes they should be a little bit better about we paid this person on this date. It lines up with this event. That's fine. But it's not the controversy I think a lot of people are trying to make it out to be. That like she's not taking care of her kids um, and that somehow she is using campaign funds to pay for a nanny because she doesn't want to take care of her kids. Um, if you follow her at all, she spends a lot of time with her family as much as she possibly can. So she definitely is not someone who is trying to take advantage of campaign funds to like dump her kids off on a nanny. That's, that's not for sure. Um, so I, I don't know where this started and where people, uh, you know, somebody came sent it to me in the DMS and said like, Oh, is this, is this fishy? And then they asked like my integrity. They were like, I, I question your integrity for supporting someone like that. And I was like, um, I don't know what, why, why this is a big deal. So is it a controversy? No, it's not a controversy at all. And, and people who are trying to start it up to be some sort of controversy, I don't know what they're, they're trying to look for. Um, I, I, again, I appreciate people who are doing their homework. I appreciate people who are vetting and, and following our lead and saying like, go vet people, go look at the FEC, go do all this stuff and make sure you know what they're, they're spending money on. Um, but not everything is a red flag. And that's why you, it, it takes a while to do this. It's not like, you know, you, you dig through, you, you double check addresses, you double check websites, you double check like all this stuff. And then you kind of have to like follow that thread to see like, are there any loose ends? And if things don't um, add up at the end, then you kind of go, oh, this is sort of fishy. Um, you know, one of our favorite candidates probably the most, most prominent video or most popular video I ever did was the Major Williams one. Now, he likes to keep bringing it up. You know, he says he's over it and he's past it, but um, how can your integrity be in question with a snoring bulldog? Uh, she's doing much better now. She's not snoring and can still breathe. But he likes to bring it up even though he says he's past it and he's over it and he seems to still hold that grudge. And he, he even brought up something about the Ritz Carlton and why is it a big deal? I stay at the Ritz Carlton. It's a big deal because if you're a candidate who's a grassroots candidate and you're relying on small money donors, small amounts, meaning someone who donates 150 bucks, um, you need to make that money go farther. You need to stretch that dollar and be more economical than someone who is bringing in millions of dollars because they have the big money donors. 
And that's stuff that like, yeah, you can stay at the Ritz. It just questions like, why are you staying at the Ritz? Because you don't make enough money as it is. And why are you every dollar you're spending to stay at the Ritz is less money on mailers. It's less money on signs. It's less money on getting your pamphlets and, and stuff that really you need analytics, all that stuff. So could you do a show post of all the sources you use to vet candidates? Um, yeah, there'll be a video coming out soon. I, I want to work on this week that will show you how I kind of go into FEC and stuff like that. FEC is for all congressional candidates, all federal candidates. Secretary of state is for all state candidates. Um, and then it gets a little tougher. You have to follow like the secretary of state where they'll show you like certain cities. You, if you're looking for like a city mayor or something like that, you can see, uh, what they, they spent money on or how they raised money. Um, but I'm always willing to go over. And this year, I, I feel like we're probably going to go over a lot of it because there's a lot of candidates out there who are doing their thing, trying to, you know, continue their perennial runs. So just keep that in mind. All right, we've got about 10 minutes left. You guys have got a lot of good comments and a lot of great, great questions today. So if you missed it, this live is usually posted Actually, it's always posted. Um, but if you don't want to sit through and kill your phone battery by listening to a live on Instagram, you, there's the audio podcast, Spotify, Google, Apple, everywhere that a podcast really can be distributed. Um, you can go there and listen to the whole audio podcast so that if you miss something, you came in a little later and you're like, I want to hear what he said at the beginning because I referenced something at the beginning. You can go ahead and um, just go listen to the audio mode. <laughs> I saw you have TikTok. I feel too old to get it. Um, I do. I, I, I have a TikTok account for this California Underground. Um, funny enough, because they have the best editing, like Instagram Reels is just not good. It's just a whole. And that's why I think Facebook is dying is because they haven't done anything new in so long. They're just copying what everybody else does. I mean, they they did the the stories uh, because they want to copy Snapchat. They're doing reels because they want to copy TikTok. They do IG videos and TV because they want to copy YouTube. So they're try they they basically once it's always when something comes out, Facebook or or now it's Meta. Sorry, Meta we'll just copy what they're doing. But TikTok has the better editing, all the better editing tools so you can do all the stuff like green screen and music and all that fun stuff. So yeah, I'm getting more into it. It's fun. It's fun. Fun for those short little blurbs of stuff. I think that's important as opposed to these long form podcasts. Um, it's a good way to kind of like bring up a topic. Like if there's an article or something, I want to just like blast it out there. So Let's see. Do, 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 do. How's Major Williams still blocking people? I believe so. Um, I think his uh, I think his fan base is now mostly from Dubai and Bangladesh. So I don't know if that's going to help him in the upcoming gubernatorial race. Um, but you know, when you, when you buy followers, sometimes you don't get to pick where they come from. So, um, but yeah. I think that's probably he, he's doing really well in those countries and like in Bangladesh and Dubai, he's, he's just, he's very popular. Um, but he doesn't get the numbers he used to, 
when he first came out and I would I would tune in and be like, what's this guy all about? He used to get a lot of people. He get a lot of people on his lives. He get a lot of interaction. People were like, Major for Governor, time to think major. Um But now it's like he barely gets like maybe ten people and there's no interactions. It's not like this. You know, like this is how you know. I haven't bought any followers. I've never paid for one single follower. So I don't have like any fake bots or anything like that. And you can tell because you can look at this page right now and see all the comments. You can see all the interactions. You can see the people doing stuff. That shows you these followers are real. Like the 46 people who are here are actually here. They're not like in a bot farm somewhere else. But so. Because he went... The only thing Major Williams was good for was for my $25 tax. <laughs> People are still supporting him. I think there's, you have zero proof he bought followers. Uh, yeah, not necessarily, but I can, I can figure it out. He'll find some way to blame someone for why he doesn't win. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No comments on his lives. I never even did that majorly knowing him, not surprised. My. He's galvanized the vote in Pakistan. Yeah, he's he's killing it. You know, there's probably a lot of people buying stuff in, in Pakistan with Major Williams for Governor Hats over there. Um, but again, they're bot accounts, so they don't do anything. They just, they, they join his lives, they follow him so he can get 120, 200,000 people. Um, so if he were smart, he'd stick to political rapping. Yeah. He'll blame someone near to him for not finding his gubernatorial papers. And that's something uh, my wife always laughs about is she's like, is this guy serious? Like he wants to run probably the biggest and most complicated state in the country. It could be its own country by its own. And he blames other people for not filing paperwork. So first off, he doesn't take responsibility for his own actions. Second of all, who's he hiring that doesn't do this stuff? Three, it's not important enough for him to do this on his own and make sure it happens. Like if you're a leader, you make sure stuff happens. And this is the guy you want running the state of California. I don't know. There are a lot of other people who I don't like. I'd rather run the state of California than major Williams. So, um, how does one run for governor and not know that his paperwork wasn't filed? You got me probably cause he's not really running for governor. That's my theory is that he's not really running for governor. I feel like he just hires anybody and those people fall for it real quick. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of people who get caught up in his spell um, because it's the cool thing to do because he's Major Williams. Um, all right, a couple more minutes before I got to end. Uh, busy day today. I got to go to court, which is why I'm wearing my polo. I'm not going into court, but I have to go do stuff at court. So, you know, you kind of want to look like a little bit like an attorney when you show up at these places. You don't want to look up, show up with a sweatshirt and stuff. Although that that is always fun when you go through the metal detector and you have like the sweatshirt on and they're like, oh, sir, you got to take your belt off. And then you just flash the bar card and you're like, no, 
I'm an attorney. So do you think noodle support is finally starting to dwindle in the cities? Um, nah, I don't know. I think there's probably a lot of people who are not happy with them, but there's, again, it comes down to there's not enough people or anybody who's a big splash to pull those people away. Um, and that's really a big issue with California when it comes to voters and, you know, winning elections, especially statewide elections, is a lot of Republicans or libertarians. And, and again, kudos to the Libertarian Party of California. You know, round of applause to the Libertarian Party of California, who actually, and the, specifically the Libertarian Party of Los Angeles County, who got the, should go to court and the elites hate you sweatshirt. Yeah, that would go over real well. I'm sure if I went to court, they'd love that. Um, hands, hands to them because they got that petition to get rid of the vaccine mandate. They got it passed. They got the initiative. They got it approved. So now it's approved, which means they can collect signatures and they're organizing. And I was like, damn, look at this an actual party doing something to like get people to do something and fight back. So kudos to the libertarian law. And I had uh, the chair, if you want to go back in the, the archives, the chair of the Los Angeles libertarian party, uh, Angela McCardle was on this program. She was on my audio podcast. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, and we talked a lot about what they're doing and, how they're making waves and the Mises caucus and a lot of people who I know there's a lot of libertarians who follow this page. Um, I always tell them, have you heard about the Mises caucus? Go check out the Mises caucus. Cause what they're doing with the libertarian party is very exciting because they're turning that party into like a serious contender. Um, and bilingual outreach. Yeah. I, I couldn't believe this. I saw that. And I was like, the libertarian party of California has an actual Twitter page specifically dedicated to Spanish speakers, California GOP, nothing, nada. And here you have, again, this, and I, I don't, I might go over it by a minute or two, but you brought up a good point. You have this absolute opening of minds, this, this once in a lifetime sort of opening of minds when it comes to people's politics and what they're thinking about. And maybe they're, they're looking for an alternative and the California GOP just continually just does the same thing over and over and over again. And, and, and they do the, their same cringe things and they, they pander to their same boomer base of, and, and you know, there's probably nothing against the boomers, but it's like, they just think like this will win us the election as if we just keep catering to this older white boomer base like that will win us elections no you have now you have especially in california you have hispanics who are becoming more conservative who are pulling away from the democratic party they're looking for a home so what do you do california gop does nothing the libertarian party what do they do they have a whole spanish language twitter page to get their information and get their news out there california gop should be doing this they should be doing it. They should be running ads. They should be going on to Spanish networks. You know, I guess they try and say, oh, Jessica Milan Patterson is Hispanic. Far as not, I know, I haven't seen her speak Spanish. I probably speak more Spanish than her. Um, but I guess because her like grandfather was Hispanic or something, they kind of think like, 
that makes it a makes her Hispanic and she can connect with Hispanic voters. And it's like, she just looks like a normal white lady. Um, L American is great. I, I wish L American had their own TV channel. Where's like a billionaire or something to give L American like their, their TV channel. Cause they need a TV channel so they can start getting out there and create a media empire. Again, same thing with like Fox news. Um, I don't know why there's not a Fox news in Espanol. Like, doesn't make sense to me. Why does Fox News not see this? Like 50, almost 50% of Hispanics now um, are turning to the Republican Party or they're more conservative. And it's it's funny that like there's just no, no effort at all. Just absolutely no effort. Um, so yeah, it, it's just that, that stuff that like the California GOP drives, drives me crazy. Um, and I call them out all the time because it just seems like they think like, if we just do the same thing over and over again, this time we'll win. We got it, folks. If just this time we win, if we just repeat what Ronald Reagan said a 4,000 years ago, this time we'll win because we'll all worship at the altar of Ronald Reagan and that will win us votes. And it's like, no, like, ah, but I guess that's why we started the Calipublican movement. So the idea of the Calipublican movement is, is, is like, it's kind of like, I don't know, we, we need better solutions. We need a better party. We need a party that's here for California and we need action and we need people to do something. And, and the Libertarian Party of Los Angeles, kudos to you for getting that initiative passed and approved so you can collect signatures. Um, yeah, I, I think you now have it. maybe because old school GOP say things like if you live here, you, you got to speak Sp- Spanish. And, and to me, that's like. Oh, that's, that's just stuff like that. You just look at that and go, you got, sometimes people like that, you just go, we got to leave you behind. Cause I'm sorry. Like, it's just, you're holding the rest of us back. So I'm sorry. You, 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 you're, you're holding us back with your boomer ways. So I could probably do a whole show just lambasting the California GOP and how bad they are. I mean, when I saw what the, 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 the libertarians are doing and how they're organized, I was just like, damn, I'm, a, I'm, I'm about to act up here and, and switch voter registrations. Like, because they're doing stuff. They're actually doing stuff. Meanwhile, like Republicans are just like, they're just shooting themselves in the foot. Like I went to the Republican central committee and I know you, I talked about it on the stories with people uh, like booing and hissing people because they're wearing masks because they're from the registrar of voters. Not that you don't know if they're Republican or not. They're just there from the registrar of voters. And they're wearing a mask because the mask mandate and they might believe what Gavin Newsom says, whatever the reason. And people were booing them and being like, boo, take your mask off. We can't hear you because of your mask. And it's like, really, we're going to be like those people. Like we're, we're, we're pretending we're all about freedom but then we're going to yell and shout down people because they don't subscribe to our certain way of thinking. I don't know. There's just, you look around the room at a central committee meeting and you go, Phew. we, we need a, somebody mentioned new blood. We need a lot of new blood. Like, Oh my goodness. Oof. You look at that room and you go, I, now I understand where they get the stereotypes from, but yeah, there's, there's outdated stereotypes and, and this, that, that neocon or, or super conservative idea of like, like, oh, 
if you're here, you should speak English. There, there are people here who, in California, who are here, and they speak Spanish as their primary language. They speak English, but they may have moved here and became a citizen, but Spanish is their primary language. <coughs> you know? It's like, yeah, I'm learning Spanish for my wife and my family, but English will always be my comfortable language. It's what I grew up with, and it's what I'm fluent in. It doesn't mean that I'm always, I, I should just learn to speak Spanish and just get comfortable with it. Spanish may be your first language if you moved here and, and you're Hispanic. You may be first generation. And it may be more comfortable for you to read something in Spanish or watch something in Spanish or listen to a news broadcast in Spanish. That's not being like, oh, you better, you know, the South Park, what is the South Park? Kept? It's like, oh, they took our jobs. Like, it's not this outdated idea of like, well, you're here, you should learn how to speak English. Hispanics do, they do speak English, but it's more comfortable for them to read stuff in Spanish because that's their primary language. That's what they grew up with. And maybe English is their second language. So, um, I don't know. I, I think it's, yeah, for me, it was the other way. Spanish was my first language because I heard my parents always speaking Spanish and both my parents are immigrants. There you go. So there's nothing wrong with, like creating that other medium to reach out to people because it's, it's kind of like, all right, I'm going to finish this one story. Cause then I got to go. Um, I'm actually, I believe you have to speak English to my grandparents. Well, I think it's still comfortable. Let me finish with this story. Um, funny when we Americans travel to Europe, we expect them to speak to us in English. I, whenever, wherever I go in Europe, I, I try and learn as much. Like when I went to Italy, I tried to learn as much as possible, but I'm also Italian. Um, but anyway, here's a good example. I, as an attorney, I work with Spanish speakers. Now, I have staff who can speak Spanish. I speak a little Spanish. I'm learning. I'm getting much better. Um, my wife obviously speaks Spanish. So there's avenues to speak Spanish on these calls. Most of the time, it's not about whether you just speak Spanish or not. It's about the fact that they want to feel like they're comfortable going with an attorney who can speak Spanish. Like I had a call with someone who, yeah, they requested a Spanish speaker, but they spoke English because Spanish was their primary language. Um, so again, it's, it's not a question of they don't know English. It's the question of what's more comfortable that makes someone feel comfortable with that person. And in my line of work, it's do they feel comfortable working with an attorney who has people who speak Spanish and that you can understand Spanish and that they know they can communicate with you. Um, and the same thing with political parties. If there's a political party that goes, Hey, we're going to have a whole Twitter page in Spanish. We're going to do all our stuff in Spanish because that's your primary language. It makes a big difference because they feel like, Hey, you hear me, you understand me and, um, you're going the extra mile to reach out to me. And therefore I'm going to give you a listen. So, you know, I, I don't know. There's there's a bunch of, of boomer cons who drive me nuts. I mean, there's also a lot of like button down, like basement dweller cons who are we just need to I feel like we just need to leave them behind in the party. And that's just my personal opinion. I just feel like we need to stop catering to them and pretend they're like they're the majority of the base. When in reality, I think the majority of conservatives are just 
everyday people who just want to send their kids to school and they just want to do good things and, and make money and, and be able to afford retirement. Like, I, I don't think it has to be about all these culture wars. Um, you know, California is a diverse state. What's most important to us, you know? And that's it. I, I got way off on a topic uh, on a tangent, but it, it bothers me. It does bother me that the, the California GOP is just absolutely inept at what it does. And it just can, continues to not take a stand. It doesn't continue to do anything. And it, it doesn't see the, the writing on the wall. It doesn't see the writing on the wall. It doesn't say like, hey, maybe we should be doing this. And maybe we should be trying that. And even if we chip away, let's let's try it. So they just think like, oh, if we keep out of touch. Out of touch is the perfect way to put it. Yep, you nailed it. If you can speak Spanish and Chinese, you're a unicorn. That would be tough. I would admit that if you can speak both. Nobody should be left behind. Well, I mean, it, I, I think they should. What I mean by it is you should not cater your whole platform to this. What is probably a small minority of the party. That's what I'm saying. You shouldn't be worried that if we change our platform. We'll somehow. I don't know. We'll somehow lose these. I don't know. Like, you can't pretend like they're the majority of the party. If we don't keep our platform this way, we're going to lose the majority of our party. When in reality, yeah, I, I just, yeah, not catering to. Don't make your whole platform about this small minority of like boomer cons um, who are, you know, who are just holding things back. They'll come along. Believe me, they'll come along with a new platform. And if they don't, they don't. You know, I don't know. That's that's basically my, my feeling. Anyway, so that's it. Went a little bit over today, um, which is fine. It's okay to go over a little bit. Thank you, for as always, for tuning in. Everybody's participation. It's always fun when you guys give a lot of comments and stuff like that. It makes the uh, Coffee in California politics that much more interesting. And as always, every Wednesday morning... 9 a.m. here on Instagram. If you missed it, you came in late, and you want to hear the whole thing, um, audio, it's always released sort of the same day, not soon afterward, or a little bit right afterwards. Um, you can listen to the whole audio podcast. And we got the podcast tomorrow night. We're going to talk more about COVID and what's going on and sort of the reversal of what's going on here in California specifically. So, and uh, yeah, we got a lot of work to do this year and there's going to be a lot of guests on. So thanks as always for people tuning in and thanks for everybody who bought the mug. Um, there is a lot more merch in the store. If you want to go check it out, um, like the elites hate you, which is my personal favorite. I love that sweatshirt. It looks great. Um, also comes in a t-shirt, tank top, all that stuff. So you want to go to the gym, you can wear a tank top. Um, women's tops, men's tops, all that stuff. Um, go to view shop in my profile. You can click there. You can see all the stuff that's available to pick up even your own noodle shirt, stuff like that. So with that said, I will see you all on the next one. Thanks for the support. Later guys.
Thank you for listening to another episode of California Underground. If you like what you heard, remember to subscribe, like, and review it. And follow California Underground on social media for updates as to when new episodes are available. 